What's up, beautiful people? I'm Nathaniel Pearl. And I'm Sam Sheva. And welcome to Curious Chimps Podcast, a show where we explore the infinite complexities of the human experience. We do not endorse anything illegal. So please, consult the doctors, do your research, and for the love of all that is holy, be safe. All right, let's talk about drugs. Curious, curious, curious chimps. magic he's still doing his magic you guys got to work out all the uh exactly your jamie you know what i mean got to exactly. work out all the uh, audio and technical issues and... he's the guy the the best part yeah. is he doesn't know what he's doing either he just knows way more than i do because he just played mm-hmm. with it for hours yeah so i'm like a little useless in that department so i'm like a white belt and sammy didn't get his belt yet but sammy's not in the dojo <laughs> <laughs> sammy's in the window like hey <laughs> Beat this guy up for me. <laughs> so, okay. So, whatever. What's up, uh, Asher? Welcome back. All right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll start it like that. I hope we I hope we actually start before. I hope you... Yeah, I'll like leave <laughs> a bunch of it in. <laughs> Welcome back, my friend. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's been good. Let me see. Like, I guess I'll give you all the quick... Uh, we'll go across, like, the, the basics, and I'll kind of focus on the highlight things I think are important for psychedelic research and all that. So, Hit it. Let's just jump I, in. I got, I got married, which is cool. Oh, hey. dope, man. Um, Congrats, Congrats, brother. Mazel tov. Thank you. And the girl I married is, you know, pregnant now. She, like, recently just got... We're trying to have a... You know, we, we were in Nova Scotia a year ago, and we decided that we wanted to have a kid. We are you know, uh, on, like, a long trip during COVID, and we stayed six weeks in Nova Scotia, and we kind of started talking about the idea of, like, we want to have a kid. Um, oh. And then, yeah, we got married, and she got pregnant shortly after, and uh, that's all good. So I, I'm, I'm trying as quick as I can to, like, finish PhD at this point, because I really want to have as much of PhD done before we have the baby, because yeah. I'm <laughs> going to take maternity leave. You know, my boss yeah, is, like, yeah. taking maternity leave. It's fine. What a motivator. Um, what an well, animator that is. <laughs> it's perfect yeah. timing, in, yeah, a, in a way. Yeah, it's pretty good timing. I'll be done. The plan is to be done with PhD in December. Uh, the baby will be born in like September is our due date. So the you know hopefully the the last stage of the PhD process is you have all these experiments that you've done and they're all done. You have to just write a dissertation. You have to like write this you know 150 page document about you know what you spend your three or four years doing in your program and what you figured out. So that's kind of where I'm at is the uh, the writing phase, which well, is honestly the worst. It's the worst part of that, I think. Damn, it's the crappiest part. It's it's the best like- part is experiments yeah that's that's it like you're not a writer i mean obviously it's it's a very it's a specific like focused narrow type of writing but it's like you have to sit down and literally write a dissertation like i always i i don't know if i'm wrong about this but i feel like phds are like like the dissertation is always like you have to add something like you have to add to like the school of thought like you actually have to put in something new into like the thing you're learning but like the way you yeah. just described it is like you're 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 kind of talking about what you have learned as well. So I don't know if I'm wrong about that. Yeah. No, you're pretty spot on. It's it's the idea that you you have to whatever whatever field you're in in a PhD, you have to push that field forward and show that you've advanced the field. Contribute, so, you're, you're so to speak. Yeah, that's intense. Yeah, advance to contribute, figure out something novel, and and for me, that's all about like and I work with cannabinoids and I work with psychedelics, so I have to you know. Uh, show that i've created something novel in that space right well well that's a space to be in right now there's so many things happening yeah it's it's, 
it's crazy. I mean, from from my perspective, you know, there's like, I guess you can think about it from a few perspectives. From my perspective, as like a chemistry drug design person, mm. um, there was this this uh, crystal structure paper, and what a crystal structure is is you know so psychedelics they work by binding to serotonin you've probably heard about this a little bit. they bind to serotonin receptors inside of your brain and it's specifically a serotonin 2a receptor and scientists want to know what do these structures look like what does this serotonin receptor look like so you can perform these experiments and one of them is called x-ray crystallography and in a nutshell it tells you in the three-dimensional space what the heck does this receptor look like that the drug binds to um so like in let me see in october november uh, a research group out of north carolina they published the uh, crystal structure of the serotonin 2a receptor which was like in in my world that's like you know like uh going to vegas or something it's something so cool like the, um, the next issue of Batman came out or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> just, just like, you know, like all the people in the psychedelic space just geeking out, you know, like this is so cool. Somebody published this crystal structure and the crystal structure, when you generally um, come out with these structures, it has a drug bound to it. Basically, we have to take a drug, put it inside the binding site of the receptor and it'll crystallize and you get the structure. And this one has LSD in it, this um, mm. crystal structure that they published on. Oh. Um, and that was that was cool. I was uh I I I was I, t- I was telling you before I was listening to our our first podcast with you uh, number fifty five if uh, the listeners want to go check it out cool. and uh, you were talking about like how these are three D structures and they're kind of like in motion as well so like is is the crystal thing is that like some kind of like stasis is that what it's referring to is that it kind of stops moving and actually gets received by the receptor if you will. You actually, you actually really, uh, you kind of, I'm impressed because you figured out something really interesting about this. Bam. You figured out, you figured out that a crystal structure, when you get the structure, it's, it's, it's like frozen in time. You're mm. exactly right. In our brains, drugs move around. They kind of wiggle. Oh, fingers don't work because of this. <laughs> the, ba- <laughs> the background. Maybe I'll take that off, actually. Maybe that's not a good thing. Choose virtual background. I like it personally. It's kind of I gotta cool. be honest. It's, it's kind of cool. I've got a few. I got this one. Oh, these, nice. these, are actually, <laughs> these are actually the crystal structures of this one. Okay. So they actually the crystal structures. So basically the blue, the magenta, the blue, the magenta, and this one in the bottom, which is like some sort of weird color. I don't even know. Maybe it looks like, like intestines and confetti. Yeah. And like it's this is but these basically, are basically basically these blobs are drugs bound to the receptor. They're different drugs. But if you take away all those, you have these like spaghetti noodle type things, these things that look like corkscrew spaghetti, and that's the receptor. Um, and most receptors have multiple binding sites. Mm-hmm. For example, the one that you guys are looking at is the cannabinoid type 1 receptor, which is the one THC binds to, to produce intoxication. But what's really interesting is actually in magenta, is it's a spice, there's a, if you have spice compounds, these were pop. Uh, oh, like the K2 the artificial uh, uh, yeah ar- uh, weed, artificial yeah kind of yeah but basically these compounds are called spice compounds and they were designed like in the 2009 by chemists to study the activity of the receptor 
but then unfortunately people got a hold of the centipedes and they made the compounds and unfortunately like they are they they produce seizures in animals and animals, <sighs> okay. a lot of animals i remember a lot of but, people complaining about it and having like medical issues like like and then it actually gave weed a bad name for a time i mean which it, it already has a huge stigma that's still around unfortunately but like it's it's like a I just, that's all I got, you know, so far is like that. It's like this lab THC sort of. And it's mm. like, this is a plant. There's like 12 or like a, a hundred cannabinoids or something. And you're just like uh, isolating and manufacturing artificially, no less, like one or two of them. And then like smoking it as if you're smoking weed. And then people are getting all sorts of like, like, like actual health problems. Okay. I yeah, don't know if that's a myth or not. Yeah. No, no, it's it's true. I mean, like the compounds originally like were not synthesized to be abused drugs. They were synthesized to study this receptor. Mm. Um, one of the things that you need to do when you when you get a structure of one of these receptors is you need to bind a you need to attach a drug to it that binds really tightly. Um, if you don't bind the drug that attaches the receptor tightly, it can fall out, and then you don't get your crystal structure. Mm. But basically, the interesting thing about these uh, these structures is that in this one i have three different drugs bound this magenta blue and the intestine one we'll call it <laughs> <laughs> and um what's interesting is a drug's effect is actually dictated by where it binds to on the receptor which is wild hmm. so for example the one in magenta is called an orthosteric binding site orthosteric binding sites usually produce intoxication so if i have a drug and i figured out that it binds to this this site in uh, magenta it's also the other pictures where it turns 90 degrees you can see it over here on the right hand side um anything that binds to that site will generally produce intoxication then you have these other sites the one in blue and the intestine one and those are called um allosteric sites allosteric just means other it's in it's a different site other than the orthosteric binding site and these are generally targets for um people trying to create medicinal types of cannabinoids um, that can like treat like nausea. And it's funny, the one down here, the intestine color one, uh, I have a paper coming out about this one. And this one actually reduces seizures in animal models if you find mm. a drug to this site, mm. which is pretty wild. So it's, uh, it's this really, it's this really, com you know, in my world, it's like, we do want to know the precision of like, not only what receptor our drug is binding to but where on that receptor the drug is binding to what's the three-dimensional location that's so trippy i love this it is trippy so crazy. like yeah a type of i, I mean I, I imagine there's a lot of variation in the molecules as well and then where like maybe their orientation or where they bind in the receptor then gives a different effect so there's there's this like endless amount of research possible and and you're saying like if you kind of tickle that one spot it causes intoxication. I don't know what the technical term is with intoxication, but I, ass I assume it means like your 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 sense of of proprioception maybe is off. Your your sense of size and and distance and like your vision, your like your senses just kind of get messed a little. Like I'm not sure. Well, I guess it it messes with your conscious state a little bit. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I, like so so you, you're kind of like flipping the switch and starting to figure out exactly what's affecting what, and and. In a, in a subjective state is very interesting for mm. us, obviously, but also in these medicinal uh, avenues, which is just obviously amazing yeah. and and helpful. If you if you can take it out the bad effects and put in the good effects, or or neutralize the 
you know, experience and, and like intoxicating effects and just leave the like, you know, cure seizures thing. Yeah, well, that's a good point because I wanted to ask, um, how do these neutralizers work? Like there's MindMed, for example, is working on LSD neutralizer, which I don't know anything how that, I'm sure you have a better idea of how it functions, but basically the premise is that if a patient is under an LSD therapy session with an, uh, with a psychologist and the, in, the trip is too intense that they can take this LSD neutralizer and it kind of just shuts off the experience. Like, is that complex? It's, so, it's actually not that complex. No, it's, um, it's kind of like, um, so there's a drug called Kintanserin. Okay. Um, so Basically, if you if you bind LSD to a receptor site, uh, so let's just use the one in magenta because that's the one that produces like intoxicating effects. So if LSD comes in, so above my head, it's actually some molecules. These are molecules that would bind to a receptor site. These things in blue and you know these, these molecules on top. And um, so let's say a drug comes in, it, it comes into the receptor site and it binds, and it's LSD. And as long as that drug is bound to the receptor. Uh, the person is going to be under the influence of LSD. And if they're having a bad trip, let's say, what you can inject is something, I, I, don't, I don't even know the term you're talking, I've actually never heard of the term you're talking about, neutralizer, but I know what you're trying to say. Yeah. So basically, it'd, it'd be a drug. So basically, when a drug binds to a receptor, there's, there's a certain tightness that a drug binds to a receptor. Much like if I, if you put a baseball mitt on and put a, put a uh, baseball inside the baseball mitt, you can you can clench your hand harder and it'll be harder to pull the ball out, or you can kind of like clench your hand easier. It's easier to pull the baseball out, and we call that affinity in pharmacology, the tightness that a drug binds to a receptor. And in our case, the baseball is the drug, and the the glove is the receptor in this case. Hmm. So, with these neutralizers, what you basically need to do is you need to find a drug that binds to the orthosteric site stronger than the compound currently in there. So there's this one called Kintanserin that binds to um, serotonin receptors stronger than LSD. And it'll basically, you know, you inject it into the person, it'll find its way to the receptor. And because it has stronger affinity, it'll occupy the receptor site and kick all the LSD out. Wow. And the trip will stop. And these <laughs> drugs are often called um, That's crazy. Agon agonist or in uh, agonist, uh, sorry, antagonist or inverse agonist. Okay. It basically binds to the receptor site and stop the, stops the receptor from going through this uh, further, they're called cellular signaling pathways. Hmm. So it just kind of shuts it off. It binds to it, just shuts everything off. It's like, puts the brakes on it, so wow. to speak, you know. Yeah. Does, it, does it literally kick out the, the LSD molecule? Yep. Yep. And then, and then I guess it stays there, so they're like, if they're like the, the the throughput of the of whatever LSD is still like circulating can't uh, replace it because it's like tighter, like you said. The affinity is stronger. That that's exactly what happens. Yeah. That's so I, that's, that's so funny to picture. Like, hey, get out of here, LSD. <laughs> it just floats away. This guy's having a bad trip. He needs onto to the, chill out. <laughs> yeah, onto the waste. <laughs> yeah, they always go through your body and be metabolized after that. Get kicked out of your brain, then pee it out. That's incredible. That's that's so effective for future treatments. Yeah, it's actually how um, what's the what's the one for heroin overdoses they administer? That it, that works. Naloxone, maybe. I think that's what it is. Oh no, I'm thinking methadone, like with like the replacement to so that no, you don't have withdrawals. Yeah, I don't know what that. But was. yeah, that. that but methadone, yeah, methadone is similar-ish. But I think the one for if somebody overdoses on heroin. You can inject, I think it's called naloxone, I okay. believe. 
but that works the same way. It kicks the it kicks the uh, heroin out of the receptor site. Naloxone replaces it, and the heroin can't get in. I'm just picturing Pulp Fiction with the adrenaline shot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with Uma That's Thurman. What I was thinking too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure the the drug dealer did say the term of what it actually needed, of what he actually needed to to turn off the trip. But yeah, yeah, that's what that's. What she say when she wakes up again? I'm sorry, I'm just, I just, I just can't remember the line. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there's people listening that are just screaming the term, but we just don't know. <laughs> sorry, everyone. I don't know the line either, but it's just a great movie. Yeah, but that that's really cool, and I didn't know it wasn't like for me from the for me from the outsider it seems super complex but it's it's cool to see that it's like a super simple process at least at the molecular level i think that's where people like i think science seems intimidating because there is this sort of like you do have to build up a foundational knowledge but it's really it's not that complicated honestly i don't think it is Hmm. I guess like in the end, think- it gets, it's like, it's physical. Chemistry is physics, like people joke about often. Like, so you just, you learn a lot of jargon, but in the end, it's like a physical, like shapes. Like you're, like, like no one yeah. pictures molecules and, and receptors like this, but, but I, I, like nowadays, it's like, I can recognize that. I don't know what the hell I'm looking at in <laughs> all honesty, but I can go, oh, okay, that's like a, some biological microstructure. Uh, like I, I've seen that. I've seen a lot of people talk about it. It's like, okay. I don't know how it works, but like, yeah, maybe I could learn. I could like go to school and <laughs> read a book and know the names and do some experiments and and then and learn that an LSD neutralizer is literally just like a like a bouncer. <laughs> <laughs> just get out of here! It's, it's it's your time is done, LSD. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's cool. Yeah. That's so funny. Uh, I'm I'm wondering if you have any info on um, iboga. I don't know if this is something and your expertise at all, but like, I'm curious because we're talking about like heroin and and like dopamine receptors and like this thing comes in and like scrubs people and then they're not addicted anymore. And I don't, I don't have no idea how that works. I can go into more like a, just to add to your question, like more specifically 18 MC is the, is the compound that a lot of people are talking about right now because 18 MC is the, the, I guess it's a derivative from Iboga that kind of rewires the brain from addiction and kind of shuts off that 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 uh, whatever mechanism. Yeah, that yeah. mechanism for addiction. So, yeah. So, if you know more about eighteen MC, I'm really curious about that specifically. I actually don't, oh, but yeah. I should read about it because I've heard yeah. of it. You know, I should read about it more. But I'm actually, yeah, I don't know too much about I don't know too much about ibogaine or those types okay. of drugs that are used for uh, like heavy addiction. And it's because it seems like. From what I hear, like Ibogaine, you purge on Ibogaine, don't you? Like people. I think apparently, yeah. Apparently, it's like a few days of just hell on the body. <laughs> <laughs> we had a we had a, a podcast with uh, this this couple that does Ibogaine ceremonies in oh, like wow. New Mexico, I think, or in Mexico. And yeah, it's a it's a process, definitely tough work, but they they do it well. They have like nurses on board and psychologists, and like you have like. A, they they kind of make the experience as safe as possible, but you're going through hell at, at sometimes, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Is it like, I, I've never tried Ibogaine or those types of drugs. Have you guys ever tried? We haven't. Not Ibogaine. Not no, yet. Yeah. I'm sure we will. At some Not point yet. in our journey. <laughs> yeah. We, the, yeah. I don't know that, that, that I want to go through that experience. Like, yeah. I, maybe if I did have some sort of problem that I want to figure out, like some addiction or some like mental health thing I want to figure out, maybe. Yeah. But I, I feel like LSD is enough, you know, for me. I've taken LSD quite a few times and mm. 
that experience alone is enough, you know, to like learn lessons about life and learn what you need to do. You're getting the message. You're getting the message. Yeah. He's a good teacher. Yeah. Yeah, psychedelics are a good enough teacher. I'm actually really interested in, um, like, I just have this theory. I feel like a lot of people I meet who who have had regular like uh, LSD trips are very intelligent. You're obviously smart and learned like before your trips, but uh, like, do you do you feel like this expanded your intelligence at all? Uh definitely. Okay, yeah. just down yeah, straight. Definitely. I think I gotta get my hands me, on some LSD. <laughs> I think for me, I can just think more like abstractly. I can think about like. Because before I like had all this visualization software, I was pretty good at like organic. You know, when I first took like uh, organic chemistry, where you learn about how um, you learned about like how to make organic molecules undergo reactions to synthesize things, and a big part of that is being able to visualize stuff. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like because of LSD, I've been able to like my visualization is actually a lot better in three-dimensional space. That's 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 probably the biggest thing. I'm I'm not like. I don't have a higher capacity to think because of psychedelics, but three-dimensional space definitely is improved, I think. Makes sense. I mean, you're seeing like what seem, what appears to be like a five-dimensional type of visual experience when you're under yeah. the influence. You know? 3D is easy after yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, in your practice or in your field, have you been dealing with backlash or is like the general consensus very open about these kind of molecules now? not been good honestly um yeah so i will say though i don't work in um i don't work in clinical spaces like clinical would be the idea where you'd run a a clinical trial with human beings Mm -hmm. um i don't do any of that and because i'm just like a molecular type of pharmacologist where i you know get drugs understand how they work on the receptors i don't actually i don't think people in my field have that hard of a problem although like the the early stage people like David Nichols and those types of people who first got this stuff uh, undergoing, they had a hard time. Mm. But people like me in this time in my life now, it's actually like pretty easy. We, we, um, we like, it wasn't even that hard. So we, for one of our studies that's going on right now, we needed LSD, you know, for one of these papers that we're working on. And we actually got it like, nope, it wasn't hard at all. We didn't even need a DEA license. Wow. They just mailed it to us in a little vial, and I went to pick it up at the university supply center, and it was easy. But I will say, if you, for people that do clinical research, uh, I with human beings and even animals, it is harder than it is for me, for sure, because I know people that work in clinical spaces. There's definitely more regulations that they have to go through. Because you're working with humans. Yeah. You're working with people that are alive. I work with, like, cells that are, you know, I don't want to say... Well, I'm not going to say they're not alive, but, you know, they're single cellular organisms yeah. that are, don't really have a <laughs> No one cares if they kick the bucket. Right? <laughs> yeah, no one cares. <laughs> yeah. That's Maybe funny. they are conscious, though. I don't know. Well, well they're a... definitely more conscious after you f- test them with the LSD. <laughs> <laughs> you almost made it spit. That was perfect. <laughs> I almost did. That's funny. Though. I'm like, yeah. I always make this joke with my boss that I'm like, you know, we have this. We have the, basically we have cells and cells are basically like, you think about it as a circle, mm. right? And then on the surface of the set, on the surface of the cell. So if I draw a circle with like a marker on the, like the black line that I drew on the outside, that's where the receptor would actually, that's where one of these receptors would actually, would actually be. Oh. And then I always make the joke that like, oh, you know, we're getting these cells high. Put the LSD <laughs> in. <you know> what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> Come back in a week, they're acting super different. <laughs> but you look under the microscope, they're like 
Crazy. Jeez, that would be breakthrough <laughs> stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Playing guitar. Like Unfortunately, it, it doesn't usually happen like that. <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh, you need a pretty complex system <laughs> in order for LSD to have an effect. Yeah. Um, but this leads me to ask you, like, I know you've been pub- you published your first paper, and uh, we both okay. kind of have no idea. I mean, I think Sammy tried to read your abstract, and he I gave up. He called me or texted me saying like uh, his brain is uh, burnt or something. <laughs> yeah, like I needed to Google every like third or, <laughs> or fifth word, and I was just like, I was like, I I can't do. I just, I'm just gonna talk to him. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's fine. It's um. Yeah, I was super excited. That wasn't my, it was my first psychedelic paper. I published like only, this is my third publication. I'm Congratulations, by the way. Thanks. That's I really cool. My, only my third paper in the academic world, but I'm still pretty new to this, but I was super excited. It's my first paper that I published that was anything psychedelic related. Nice, man. But um, how it came to be was I like, I think like in October I was in, uh, I went to Banff with my now wife. And um, I was working on some stuff, and I emailed this research. I saw this research group put out a paper about N-bomb compounds, which are a very high-potency type of psychedelic, and most of them are more potent than LSD. And they activate the serotonin receptor stronger than LSD. So I saw them put out a paper, and I, and I emailed them. And I do a lot of this. So the type of work I do with these like receptors and these drugs it's it's a lot of computational stuff, so I use a lot of computers, mm. and they call it in silico research. Um, so you're basically mimicking a biological system inside of a computer, right? Okay. How does this biological system work inside of a computer? So I emailed them, and I said I was interested, and I told them that I did like in silico type docking, and um, if they like wanted to collaborate on a paper, I'd be more, you know, I'd be really thrilled. And they emailed me back like the same day, like, oh yeah, we're totally interested. We have this like. You have these other N-bomb compounds, and could you work on some in silico stuff? And I said, yes. And um, so what the paper is about is basically there you can – there is this type of N-bomb compound, the, the like OG N-bomb compound is called 25-CN-NBOH. And um, I don't – let's not go into the discussion. Rolls off but the tongue, yeah. <laughs> but basically – I know I get down these, these roads too much, but basically um, – there are these groups in organic chemistry called methoxy groups. So it's an oxygen and then a CH3, so O-methyl, O-C-H3. I wish I could show you this visually. That would be so much easier. I will Google um, it later. <laughs> yeah, but it's, but it's in the paper. I don't know if you want to – maybe you won't screenshot now. But basically, you can take these groups called methoxy groups and move them around the molecule. And then so these – chemists from Russia that made the compounds for us, they did the organic chemistry to move the methoxy groups in different positions around the molecule. And what we were looking at is what positions what positions do you have to put the methoxy groups in to make a really high potency drug? And what positions would you put the methoxy groups in to make a low potency drug? And what we found is that if you put the methoxy positions uh, next to each other, the potency of the drug drops dramatically. That was kind of the key finding in the paper. Mm-hmm. So it is this weird sort of like, because the methoxy groups in different parts of the molecule are going to have a different three-dimensional shape, when that when that three-dimensional shape that's different from one another binds to a receptor, it's going to activate the receptor more or less, and that's kind of what we looked at. It's like geometry. Like, you're literally like playing exactly. with the shape of... 
I mean, so you yeah. can you can modify this molecule, but it still kind of retains its function. Yep. That's you interesting. Can, yeah, I mean, you're spot on. You can if you make if you make small if you have a drug that you know binds to a receptor site like NBOM, um, and you modify it just a little bit, it'll still bind to that receptor site. But if you modify it a lot, it might go somewhere. It might go to a different receptor. It might go to like dopamine receptor or cannabinoid receptor. It can completely change the receptor it goes to. But oh, yeah. yeah, as you said, if you modify it just a little bit, it'll it'll go to the same receptor site. And uh, wh- how do you define potency? Because you're mentioning that a lot. Like, wh- what does that mean, really? Good call. Sorry about the yeah, sorry. Oh no, please like, talk. Um, so potency is um, if I have two drugs. And I give, you know, I give Sam a drug, I give Nathaniel a drug, and I give you guys the same dose of a drug, but they're two different drugs, Mm -hmm. right? So I give you guys um, different drugs, but they're the same amounts. The one that like, whoever gets fucked up easier, that's going to be the, that's going to be the more potent drug. And the one that gets not as messed up, that's going to be a less potent drug. Okay. So basically, yeah, the, the idea is that like, more for less, given the, Given the same amount of drug, the one that produces a stronger intoxication is going to be the one that's more potent. Uh, how would they measure that, though, if it's not on humans or uh, living beings? Well, cells. It's on cells, but not on, like, like uh, multicellular yeah. organisms. Yeah, we um, So one of the ones in – the one they use in um, – I guess we can talk about animals. The one in animals they use is called the head twitch response. <laughs> this is a bizarre phenomenon. Where if you give a normal, a normal like lab rat um, or mouse a psychedelic, its head will like slightly twitch. Don't know why, but scientists have figured this out that if you give it a psychedelic, its head will twitch a little bit. Okay. Um, and it'll just kind of like you know slowly kind of twitch. But it's really hard to count those head twitches. So what you can do is you can getting into the more grotesque side of animal research is you can install a magnet inside of the animal's head that can record how many head twitches the animal twitched its head. And usually they measure in a 30 minute period. And what they say is that the animal that twitches its head uh, more in a 30 minute period is undergoing a stronger psychedelic trip because the drug is bound to the serotonin 2A receptor and thus its head is twitching more. Um, That's like one of the, most popular ones wow. using animals That's, right now. So it's, I guess it's it's theoretically like involuntary. So they're obviously it's just like a, a kind of clear indication that there's more activity. <laughs> there's a download. In this. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> this is just a download happening right there. I get, but serotonin has to do with with movement also, doesn't it? Like with muscle, muscle, like it does. So I mean, it a, does. I mean, the the complicated thing to honestly say is that neurotrend. Um, receptors like um, cannabinoid receptors and serotonin receptors and norepinephrine receptors, they often have a widespread amount of uh, different responses. But yes, serotonin does have to do with movement. So, so, so does dopamine. And that's where you get the whole like, you know, Parkinson's and dopamine. That's kind of a big thing too. But I guess the, the complicated answer is that uh, receptors have many different functions, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't actually, to be honest, I don't know why um, I don't know the reason behind when you give an animal psychedelic, it's head twitches. I actually don't know. Is there anything like that in humans? Um, see, that's the interesting part. With po- It's hard to measure potency. That's how you do an animal's potency. Humans, I, not, I don't know that there is actually like an effective way of measuring potency with a drug. I don't think it's like 
something people do mm. in clinical trials. <laughs> generally, generally, what they do is they figure out the they figure out the potency of the drug um, in an animal, and then usually you can also figure out like what's called the LD50, which is the lethal yeah. dose. Mm. So you can figure out how much of that drug is going to end the animal's life. Um, and usually somewhere somewhere in between. So there's a LD50, which is a lethal dose. And there's an ED50, which is an effective dose. And an effective dose is usually the threshold amount of drug that produces any effect. And for most drugs, if you go in between those two ranges, you get a, what's called a therapeutic dose. Interesting. Which is a dose that produces therapeutic effects um, in, uh, in a human. So we kind of don't have a way of measuring it in humans. So we base a lot of our findings on animal results and kind of that's how we develop a human dose for psychedelics or any drug. And then I guess during the clinical trials is when they start to see if the doses are, if they can up it or reduce it or is that, I guess that's also part of the process of clinical trials is finding yeah, the, the right, the right dose per person and stuff like that. Yeah, that's, that's a huge part of clinical trials. Yeah. They're called, they're, they're simply called dose finding studies. Dose finding studies. That's literally what it's called, yeah. dose finding study. And then they have dose escalation studies where they start with a really, usually in clinical trials, they start with like a, a super low dose they know like isn't going to um, hurt a human being. Mm. And this is actually funny because that's the same methodology Alexander Shulgin went through when he, you know, wrote P-Cal. And that was like his whole thing, if you guys have read that book. I haven't but, read um, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, okay. Maybe we'll... We maybe won't dive into that now, but anyways, yeah, that's basically how you, you, you do it. You start with a really low dose and you have a clinical trial about it, and then you slowly up the dose and see like where does the where does the effect seem to have a therapeutic potential for? Well, um, where does like where does microdosing fall into there? Because the the idea and maybe it's just not a technical term, you know, but the idea is that you go below the sensational dose, you, like you you really just kind of have still some kind of effect, but in the long term, let's say with psilocybin, like people people really tout the the depression, uh, like the anti-depression effects. But your the idea is that you're not getting an effect if that's like felt. You know, you're actually just yeah. having these right below the threshold uh, amounts. Yeah, this is that that's basically <laughs> the idea with with microdoses. It's not even a, it's not even you're not even taking a dose that would be f noticeable at all. Yeah. You know, you take a sub, you know, what is a microdose? Like if it, for LSD, it's probably five micrograms or something. It's really low, but there's, I don't want to, I don't want to be the uh, party pooper on this, but the, the biggest uh, paper conclude, the biggest paper on microdosing actually concluded that microdosing doesn't do anything. It doesn't actually have an effect. It's a placebo effect. Um, really? But, but I will say that the study only had about 200 people. So it only kind of went over, it only studied 200 people. And that, that's not, that doesn't mean that microdosing doesn't work. It just means that in this particular study, which is the biggest one that came out about microdosing, concluded that it actually had the same effect as a placebo. Interesting. So it doesn't actually do anything. But, you know, like I said, that's, that's like, this is the first study that's come out about it's not, it's not the be all end all for microdosing. I think it, there I needs to be more, there needs to be more, bigger scale studies but that's that's fascinating what was the substance they were using the molecule uh main so because mainly lsd okay um it was actually a few substances they used lsd and psilocybin those were the two ones that were used and so they found that there was the placebo was just as just as effective 
Yeah, if you the placebo is just as effective as the actual um as the LSD, right? Interesting. But it's also hard because these are when you do these types of studies in human beings, they're answering stuff on it's questionnaires. That's how you do human research. It's a little bit more difficult because you you can't put like a probe inside of a person's brain to record like head twitch or anything. Well, you're you doing can, but you shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. You you can. You're right. You can, but yeah, you, know, you wouldn't. But, <laughs> you wouldn't get beyond ethical. Yeah. Uh, but what were the results though? Were people overall better off? They were overall better off with both placebo and drug. Okay. So when they when they ran the placebo next to the drug, yeah. the placebo also showed positive results, right? It showed the same result as the drug. Good old placebo. I wonder, so, I mean, Powerful. in your opinion, in your expert opinion, I can actually say that without being an <laughs> asshole. In your expert opinion, do you, <laughs> I usually say it sarcastically, um, yeah, it's cool. it, is the, like these higher dose things, uh, like the, um, I know you're not uh, in, in like a clinician in this in this yeah, in this no, field, it's but fine, though. yeah, I'm just curious. I mean, like you're in the milieu. Like I, I may as well ask. Um, the, also, like just opinion. Do you think this is more like like what is the depression fighting effect? What is the point? Like, is there is there a, a molecular thing going on, and this is just better at high doses when you can actually feel something, or is it more of a psychological thing that you're like fucking meeting God and you're like, okay, I'm cool with my life a little bit more now. Yeah, the, this, I, I will speak. This The area I'm going to talk about is not my expertise, and there are definitely better people to talk to about this. One of them is a, a YouTuber, Minesh Gurn. He actually does neuroscience research about psychedelics. But um, beyond the point, yeah, Minesh Gurn. I've met him like once, but I know he has a YouTube channel. But anyways, um, with that being said, the I guess going like, Going from my field to a, a field that's more related to like why psychedelics work is you get into this whole default mode network thing, which you guys may have heard this buzzword. Mm-hmm. Um, so you basically have these you have these brain regions and you have many different brain regions and brain regions are connected by like these hubs. So you could imagine like airports. You know, you have like let's say the biggest airport. In, Canada's probably you guys also live in Canada. So what is it? Probably Toronto or I, think it's Toronto. I don't know. It's Toronto. Yeah. So you imagine Toronto is like a hub. It's the biggest airport. And then you have smaller airports in Canada, like, you know, where I live in Saskatoon. And then you have like Edmonton, Calgary, maybe Halifax, um, and just other smaller airports. But those are all connected by this like central hub. Mm-hmm. And in order for you to get from one airport to so you have to fly, you know, via a plane. And um, you can think about brain regions as these different like ports, you know, and the way for them to be connected is for you to fly from one hub to the other. And in a normal brain, in a normal brain, let's just say that your hubs are firing in such a way that whenever you see like, I don't know, maybe you've undergone some like um, trauma as a kid, maybe you're like, I don't know, maybe or like beat by a parent or something. So whenever you see a belt, you have this association with like, oh my God, like fear. You know, you see a belt and you're automatic like fear. And then mm. your just brain goes fear, which is, you know, how a lot of um, trauma happens, unfortunately. You associate an object with an outcome. Yeah. Um, in this case, it's fear. So what psychedelics seem to do is seem to, like, shut these hubs off. They seem to reset these hubs that are uh, firing in, we'll say, I don't want to say bad, bad manners, but just, like, unhealthy, predict- predicted, 
uh, predictive manners in your business. You need to shut these hubs off and so reset these hubs. Mm. And psychedelics are the only known substances that can actually affect these hubs in your brain. So you just kind of get a chance to make new associations instead of having this like trauma response to the the belt, like you gave the example. Exactly. Yeah. You seem to reset these hubs, and when you come out of the trip, your brain actually will like reset. It won't go back to these old thought patterns where like you see something and you associate it with something like you know negative, like trauma. Um, but I think it's. I mean, I, I'm really excited about it. You know, it's. Uh, it's it's so cool that uh, we're actually seeing you know you're running your mind's med shirt <laughs> and there's there's so many there's so many uh, psychedelic um, actual like companies that are you know like not only raising money because they're on the New York Stock Exchange but they're um, they're actually raising a lot of private money which is pretty cool from private donors. Well, Maps is pretty much the biggest right now, but they're 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 a private company and they're killing it with the donations and and what they're accomplishing with the MDMA. Yeah, that one seems to be going really well, the MDMA for PTSD thing. I wonder, like, you know, as a person that's, I'm not a clinical person, I'm curious when there's, like, how long it'll be before there's centers where people can go to with, like, a, you know, you have a requisition from a, you get a requisition from a therapist, you go to your therapy session, and your health insurance covers, you know, your yeah. psychedelic session. I, I think that's coming, man. I think that's, in the next five years, we're going to see stuff like that happening. It's already happening with ketamine therapy. Like that's like a it's that's a hot spot now in Toronto. There's like a ketamine clinic. We had a Ronan Ronan Levy on, and he's uh, one of the founders of uh, Field Trip. And they're oh wow yeah they're yeah, they're okay. a pretty big company. Just huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge. You know, we didn't really know at the time, but then I, when I was getting into these industries on the markets, I, I realized Field Trip is uh, one of the big deals. But yeah, they're they're doing a lot of ketamine work with uh, with uh, ketamine assisted therapy. It's fascinating. We have one in Saskatoon, and we're a way smaller of a city. We have a ketamine. I have a friend that actually goes to ketamine therapy. Wow. I have a friend that yeah, goes to ketamine therapy. I think she's done with it now, but she was going to it for you know quite a few sessions. But the bad part is health insurance doesn't cover it, yet, no. so you're paying out of pocket. For and, now. Uh, yeah. yeah, for now. Yeah. And uh, yeah, one of the things I will, I will jump in and say is I'm from the States, right? And uh, the Kenny healthcare system is so dope. I, I really like it. <laughs> Pros and cons, really, yeah, for sure. Pros and cons, for sure. But honestly, like the U.S. system is like the the, the treatment's great. It's really good. It's just so expensive. Like yeah, yeah. I had a pretty good job as a I was working as a teacher in the states, and even I had to pay like so much money out of pocket for oh, yeah. um just like eye exams and like general checkups, Basic and it's so shit, cool yeah. in Canada. It's so cool. Yeah, you gotta wait, now, but but it's pretty free, so it's kind yeah, of well, it's not free, waiting, but it's. The waiting thing, I yeah. do notice. Yeah, yeah, the waiting thing. Yeah, but it's—I don't know—it's good. I think it's. Yeah. I think it's great. And now with my wife being pregnant, we go to so many doctors for ultrasounds and blood tests, and I can only imagine how much that would cost in the states. Thousands. I can't. Yeah. It's, I don't. I don't want to. It's so think about dope. It. Yeah. It's like weird. It's like weird to leave a medical clinic and not pay any money. It's like yeah. what? what <laughs> am I stealing? Yeah, you feel wrong. <laughs> I guess we're kind of take it for granted because we've just lived through it. But when you come yeah, from like. So cool. A place where you have a fucking 15k bill for like a couple exams oh, and blood man. tests and uh there's this show i was watching called superstore and the woman was pregnant and like they're, they're like they're billing her they're talking about the like the the financial aspects like this woman is in the middle of giving birth like she has contra- <laughs> contractions she's about to give birth and it's like this i mean it's a it's a funny show like i'm not t- like touting the, the accuracy or anything but like they're trying to make a point obviously that that 
this is re- this is reality. And she just it's like a basic room, but it's like a nice room, and it's like sorry, you have to leave, or else it's like just the room is like two grand for the two nights, and then it's like the doctor and the epidural and the no no no, and it's like it ends up being like twenty grand, and they're like, oh my god, we have to just go to the clinic, and it's like there's a dead person like in the same room, and like they're like you know, again like for kind of comedic and and dramatic effect, but I'm sure there's there's a million stories like that. It's like just a just the way it is over there and it's like if you have the money you're still eating it it still sucks you're you're it's an arm and a leg but you're getting it a little bit faster and here it's somewhere it's a little more gray you know like you 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 don't have to worry about that and 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 it's you're a perfect example like your 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 wife is going through she's just dating a human in her body and you have to constantly (laughs) check that everything's okay and it's like you you would be just eating your your savings it would be horrible yeah canada <laughs> Seriously, yeah, I can. I, I love it, man. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm actually going through the process of I want to get citizenship here, so I'm going through the permanent residency process. Sweet, right nice, now. man. Welcome. Because I do, <laughs> I, I do want to live here. I really, I like that. Where are you from in the states, if you don't mind me asking? C- Connecticut. Okay. East Coast. Right. Nice. Yeah. But um, yeah, I love it here. It's really great, and it, it's honestly like you know, all my family, none of my family uh, lives in Canada, just me. But like you know, for me, it's a plane ride home. It's yeah. Not so bad. You know, just one plane ride to get to New York City or something to see them no big deal. I always like I know this is like nothing to do with anything that we have you on for, but I'm just curious to ask <laughs> you about like uh like what 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 do you kind of feel are some cultural differences? Because I just feel like a lot of the world is just westernized mm-hmm. now and especially like we're neighbors. But like do you feel like there's any kind of drastic like vibe difference or anything, uh, from where you're from Canadian? and where you are? Yeah. Canadians are nicer which is interesting oh yeah that's the trope yeah, yeah that's the, I, don't, uh, I don't know canadians are noticeably just more like patient and just like nicer people i think this is just yeah. less of us i don't know yeah it's definitely <laughs> something i noticed we're like oh a person know. hi hi how are you it's funny because yeah, no, I, I feel, I, I feel yeah. the opposite it's so weird every time i travel when i see americans they're always like super outgoing and just they're just starting conversations and i feel at least bias from where we are it's a little bit more in our own bubble, but maybe that's just because we're in a pretty yeah. busy city. We're in a city, yeah. yeah. We're in Montreal. Yeah, so you, we're guys, like... you guys live in the New York City of Canada. You know? <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can hear the honk. In the biggest yeah. city. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm definitely, like, I remember, you know, it's nice in life, because honestly, a year ago, I was pretty depressed. You know, mm. just like, I'm sure you both have been there at certain times, you know, oh, for yeah. whatever Recently. reason. And I, it's weird, because I... I couldn't even, like, figure out why I was depressed, you know, you don't even, like, know why you're depressed, but, mm. you know, then I started seeing a therapist, and that actually, like, I never, I never had seen a therapist in my life, life before, ever, and it actually was super helpful, mm. I actually found it really helpful, um, so now I'm more like, yeah, like, pro, you know, go see a therapist for feeling depressed, because I, I think I grew up, and it just wasn't, like, I guess maybe my family wasn't, like, normal to go see a therapist mm. for any reason, but, um, yeah. yeah, then, like, suddenly, I just, like, I think, um, like the the work I've been putting into my life has finally been paying off with like research and with this like VR shit that I'm getting into, which I mentioned I mentioned to Nathaniel a little bit. We should get into um, that after. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I actually just got the headset today, which is pretty crazy. I haven't even set it up yet or used it, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm super pumped. Cool. Start trying this out. Yeah. I, I uh, just back to what you were saying about therapy. I mean, like I I. I I feel like it's weird because it's a relationship and sometimes you don't have like the right relationship with the right therapist kind of thing. But like, man, talk therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy. I'm lo- I'm looking into something called somatic therapy as well, 
And mm. it, I don't know what What's it is. That? I'm not sure, but oh. it's like it's like kind of this uh, physical addressing therapy. I think a lot of trauma is just kind of like this physical remembered thing. So I'm I'm hoping there's this kind of yogic angle where someone is like walking you through releasing it in a kind of physical way. And and like I, I have no idea what it's going to look like, but I'm I'm looking into it more now. And I'm actually it's it's it kind of goes around because I, I want to talk to a neurologist to get some. Oh. Um, uh, idea of if I might have ADHD because I'm pretty sure I have some kind of dopamine disorder and I wanted to ask you about because you you your initial research was about uh, cannabinoids and and uh, I'm curious because you know we ta- we talked in the last episode about like uh, uh, seizure therapy and things like that uh, and I'm I'm curious what your idea or thoughts are on I don't know if I asked you last time I, I didn't listen to the whole episode but like is there a potential uh, for I, it's not. It's stupid to maybe say simply like cannabis, but like you know, some of these occurring molecules in in cannabis are they poss- are they potentially therapeutic for something like ADHD or or dopamine disorders or or, or I don't know autism or, or something like that. Yes. Yeah, so you'd have to. Uh, the only honestly, the only thing like I talked about last time, the only thing that actually has been proven to work for um, with cannabis is seizures. Like that's the only mm-hmm. clinical thing that actually like works that. You know, it's a T. It's mostly CBD. It's like 90% CBD, 10% THC combination that actually works. But still, that's the only thing. Um, there are a lot of different studies going on with like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's. Um, I don't know about addiction. I can't speak to addiction. But there are small scale trials going on in animals with other types of uh, psychological issues for sure mm. that use cannabinoids. But I don't. You know, the hard part is like cannabinoids them like natural cannabinoids that occur in the, the cannabis plant there's about 120 right and there's a lot of you know it's 120 different compounds being distributed into your brain that mm. are all going to similar and different receptors and that's mm. why you get this widespread effect they're they're hitting a lot of different receptors it's so like a to, it's like a song it's like this really specific uh, uh like synergistic nonsense right yeah yeah almost like I had, I had the, I don't know why I had this vision, but like a shotgun, you know, a shotgun has those like small little tiny pellets when you, I guess you shoot a shotgun and it sprays like little bullets, you mm-hmm. know, out, you know, yeah. you know it's kind of like that almost and it hits a lot of different receptor sites. And that's the, that's the problem with like pharmacology now is that we don't have really advanced ways of like pinpointing this drug is going to hit only this receptor and mm. only this receptor site. So to back to what you're saying, like, are, is there potential that some cannabinoid has some effect where it can, um, help, you know, psychological uh, disorders or issues or that type of thing? Probably yes, but you'd have to make like a very specific drug that only hits one receptor, one receptor and one specific receptor site. Cause you know, the complicated to make it more complicated. Some of the drugs I work with, they are, very targeted they can hit just the cannabinoid receptor mm-hmm. but they'll bind to like two sites at once mm. instead of just one site so and, there could um, be other effects or yeah, or yeah. totally totally uh, do you ever use effects. uh i don't i, I assume because you're working with molecules it's like you're not really worried about cannabis itself like the can, like they're just present in cannabis so is there any difference i think there's a plant or something called copaiba that has can- can- cannabinoid, like naturally occurring cannabinoids as well. Like it's not just weed, you know, like there's other plants out there that have similar molecules. I was just curious if you knew anything about that. 
I actually don't. No, I can't speak to the fact that I know that they're pretty. Yeah, there probably are. Like, um, I know. Uh, let me think for a second. The only thing I can speak to is I know cannabinoids have uh, humulene, like isohumulene, and so does alcohol. I know, like hop. I know some hop plants also have some not cannabinoids, but similar um, mm-hmm. terpenes, which are aromatic compounds in in uh, cannabis plants. They have some more aromatic compounds, but people are now actually, my lab is actually, um, we got some of these terpenes that give cannabis its smell. And we're trying to figure out these terpenes also have a pharmacological effect. Do they bind any to any of the receptors? Because the, the, I guess not the harsh reality, but the reality of it is, you know, we have to, what we're trying to do is like as researchers is isolate every compound in cannabis plant and see if it has a medicinal effect. Because Even the thing you, that causes the smell. Yeah, causes <laughs> the smell. Maybe the yeah, maybe the terpenes do have an effect. Um, alpha pinene is one of them. It's what gives pine that piney smell. Hmm. That's also in cannabis plants. This might be a dumb question, but are any of these effects? Uh, possible through the smell or is are you just talking about the molecule that causes the smell like is there any kind of like effect yeah this is a weird question i don't actually this is actually a good question i never thought about this like can you can you can you inhale a drug through your nose as a smell and could it bind to a receptor in your brain i mean it's a molecule so theoretically it could you know i never thought about that that's actually a cool question (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's actually cool. You're welcome. I'm I'm curious. Like, I like you're, that. Uh, I, I got, I'm full of weird questions. Don't worry. Uh, I'm just like I'm just one. curious. Like, um, how do you have just a receptor? Like, how are you? Like, you're experimenting with like this oh, just a yeah. receptor. Like, do you make them? Do you harvest them? Like, what the fuck are you? <laughs> like, where do you get receptors? That's a good question. Um. You can actually build it, which is pretty crazy. Whoa. You can build a receptor from DNA, which is pretty wild. Whoa. And Whoa. they're okay. actually, they're not that hard to build. They're really not super hard to build. Um, we can like molecularly build them with the, it's called a polymerase chain reaction, PCR. It was made popular in like the, this technology for building receptors was like 1990s, this guy, Kerry Mullins, invented this process called PCR that you can use to basically build um, a receptor. You don't, you build it from DNA. So basically, let's just say you, you build your receptor, which is DNA, and then you can take that DNA and you can put it inside of a cell. And the cell has the machinery to regenerate that receptor to multiply that receptor it has the molecular machinery to keep regenerating this, that receptor. Does this have anything to do recept- with the tests? Like the COVID tests, like the PCR, is that the same thing? Uh it's the 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 well the COVID the COVID vaccine uses a little bit different technology. No, not the vaccine, the the, oh, the testing. Isn't that called a PCR test as well? Yeah, it's called the PCR test. Yeah. Is that just a coincidence? No, no, I mean it's that technology's been out for a while. Okay, so it is the same um, thing. Okay. I'm just I mean, curious. The, I'm I guess just... the COVID PCR test is you would, you would take, I mean, I don't know a ton about it, but I guess you would take a small sample of like, they stick this thing in your nose and they rub it around, they pull it out and that would contain some COVID antibody. And then you run what's called a PCR test and PCR is a way of replicating DNA that you have. So if you have that COVID antibody on a little like Q-tip, you run a PCR test to replicate it. 
Mm. And because apparently, I guess you have just that small sample, you can't measure if there's a COVID antibody there. You need you need to um, you need to like regenerate enough of it to actually get a positive response. But if somebody doesn't have COVID and you run the PCR test, there'll be no there'll be nothing to regenerate, mm-hmm. so it won't show up as positive. But it's not really a coincidence. Okay. Um, PCR technology has been around for. Yeah, since like the early 90s, actually, is when it was okay. discovered. Uh, is this have anything to do with like stem cells or something? Or is it just some kind of empty cell no. and then the DNA? So the, the DNA does the work for you, but like you have this cell that's like, like you said, the machinery to like allow yeah. the DNA to do its job? Yeah, the, um, the DNA itself, if I just have like a little vial of DNA, I can, f- I can put it in a freezer and freeze it, but it won't multiply or anything. Like if I, if I left normal DNA on like a hot sunny day outside it would denature and get destroyed um so basically the DNA is just like the DNA but it can't do anything by itself DNA you need some type of machinery that can replicate that DNA and that's what the cell does the cell has molecular machinery to regenerate more and more of that DNA Hmm. that is eerie for some reason yeah. It's like the pieces of life, like it's like like this weird code, and then the machinery that uses the DNA to make the receptor, and then you're you're playing with puzzle pieces, and uh, this this is it's insane. It's <laughs> it's, insane. it's really yeah. something. Yeah, it's really it's, fascinating. It's ridiculous. But that's the same way a virus works. Then it just goes into the cell, and then it just it's, I guess yeah. it hijacks it, that process. Yeah, or it, it just rides like, that wave. Yeah, clamp on, yeah. and then it'll open, and its DNA will go inside. And oh. then if you, that cell doesn't know that it's a virus, it'll use the cell machinery. The cell machinery will just keep replicating until it knows that it's a virus. And that's kind of how, you know, in a, in a nutshell, that's kind of how the COVID vaccine works in a way, right? Um, that's pretty cool. There's this there's this thing that gets a lot of press news called the spike protein, right? Okay. The COVID SARS spike protein. And... I guess the simplest way to explain the COVID vaccine is, um, so normal vaccines, the, the way a normal, so the COVID vaccine is actually like really revolutionary. It's actually kind of a groundbreaking vaccine. It's the first of ever, first ever of its kind. Okay. So the, the normal way that a vaccine works is you basically, ex- so let's say like, um, what was a big polio? Polio was a huge problem, like the 1950s, when lots of children died from polio, and even adults. Um, so what you would do is you would take a little bit of the polio virus that is active and alive, and you can take literally just like a few cells of it, a few cells of the polio virus. So the cell of the virus expresses the proteins, and that's, one of, that's what's going to cause damage to a person, basically make them paralyzed. Um, and you can basically take the DNA out of the cell. So when you take a DNA out of the cell, there's nothing for the cell to replicate, right? Mm-hmm. And then on the surface of the cell, those are where those these, these proteins are, these like these spike proteins. And you would then, after you remove the DNA, you would inject the virus into somebody's body, and then your immune system can read the surface proteins and know what the heck this, this virus is. Mm. But because the cell doesn't have any DNA, it can't replicate itself and harm you. So your body makes antibodies, then it can just destroy it, no problem. And then wow. when you come into contact with a real polio uh, virus, your body knows exactly what it is, boom, no problem, bye-bye. Um, but the COVID 
the COVID, the new COVID vaccine is pretty groundbreaking. Um, the simplest way to explain it is like, let's say you have a company. Let me think about this. Let's say you have a company that makes like uh, trucks or something. They make truck parts. You know, basically you have this company that builds that builds that build uh, truck parts, and then you have this other company that doesn't build. Let me think about this. I'm, I'm screwing this up. Analogies. Yeah. Just talk about the real out. physical things. We'll we'll Google nah, it if we have to. <laughs> nah, I'd rather talk about the analogy. It's a little mm. easier. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's say you have two companies, and we'll use the truck example. Both two companies make trucks, and in order for one of the companies to make trucks, you have to give them a template for how to make that truck. Like you give them blueprints for how to make the truck. Okay. And then the other company, for them to know how to make a truck, um you give them, let's say, a replica of a truck. Mm -hmm. So one company is making a truck from a blueprint and one company is making a truck from a replica. Um, the way that older uh, vaccines work is you would make the trucks from the blueprints and the newer way that vaccines work is you make them from some sort of replica instead of a blueprint. So basically like reverse engineering, it's like going from the opposite? Yeah, okay. yeah, you're reverse engineering something from the opposite. Okay. It's um, I don't like people say it has all these crazy applications, like in cancer and diseases, and I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm really impressed because it's like a super new thing, RNA vaccination. It's like super new. Um, but I'm definitely excited about the therapeutic potential of it for sure. Interesting. That's trippy. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. What's the What's the uh truck manufacturer in this analogy is that like your immune system yeah that'd be your immune system so the yeah. so the vi so the new vaccine is giving your immune system the ability or like an example or a facsimile of of covid instead yeah. of this like inert kind of uh like the dead uh, like the polio example you gave us yeah, I guess the real, I guess if you want to go to the more real way to explain it, I guess the analogy of a real way to explain it is like, we talked about the polio vaccine, how that works. Um, instead of giving the virus with the surface proteins, we inject this thing called RNA inside of your body that is engineered to express the COVID, the COVID spike protein. So we give the instruction, we give the cell the instructions how to build the spike protein. We give it instructions, um, and that's that's sort of the way it works. I, I, I don't I don't know if I should ask this, but like, why is that more effective? Why is that uh, like have all these other applications, like you're saying about cancer and stuff, possibly? Like, I think I think to be honest, I'm not sure. Like that's what I hear a lot in the news. I hear that there's like companies trying to make cancer vaccines with it. I know it's more. I know it's it's. Once the once the technology is like up and running, it's a cheap. It's also cheaper to make. It's cheaper oh, okay. to That's make big. it that way versus like you have to isolate all these um all these viruses and rip out the DNA and then inject them back into a body. It's a little bit easier to just build it and inject it into your body. That makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. So your body's doing half the job instead of instead of the manufacturing cost. Yeah. Uh, okay. Your, your body's doing most of the job. Yeah. Well, I, I, we keep asking you about stuff that isn't, that's like not your, 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 I don't your care. Feel. Yeah. I, I love talking to you, man. But like, let, I, I would love to go back to your actual paper because I feel like I still don't know what the fuck it's about. 
And, oh yeah, yeah. And then uh, I'm, eventually, I'd love to talk about this this uh, VR thing that you're that you're working on because it's it seems cool. Like I just I saw a video of it and it's Fucking just crazy. Yeah, from from a layman, I still I can hmm. I can gather there's a lot of fun applications. Uh, f- f- I, we could, we could talk about it later, but yeah, like just so. I don't. I don't know. Am I being rude here? Can we just jump back to the paper? I don't. I, I don't Let's know. Go I don't, ahead. Yeah. I don't mind. Yeah. Nate. Yeah. Yeah. Mind? Yeah. I'm okay. good. I just. I just. I don't like. I'm still just control. a little bit confused on the COVID thing, but just like the new technology. If we just clarify it for me at least, just the new technology. So instead of it doing the reverse, where they're they're making you recognize the protein by injecting the virus, and then your body, your immune system recognizes the protein, creates the immune response. Yeah. So it's prepared for that. So for the other way, what with this one that's coming out, what what exactly is happening? Are they injecting like an inactive virus, uh, inactive piece of the virus in you, or kind of? Yeah, it's um, it's called RNA. Okay. So before before deoxyribonucleic acid, before DNA, there's something called RNA. Okay. And so you would inject basically. You're injecting the piece of RNA that encodes for the COVID spike protein. So you inject this like RNA is like it's half a strand of DNA, so it's it's inactive by itself. So the RNA goes inside the body. It'll it'll insert itself into a piece of DNA, and then that DNA will tell it to make the COVID spike protein. And once it makes the COVID spike protein your body can recognize it immediately and be like, oh, that's not supposed to be there. So it makes antibodies for that spike protein in Very order to deactivate or kill it. Very interesting. Okay. And same print once it once your body makes it itself, it's the same principle. It's not gonna replicate like a real virus, but it has that physical kind of shape. So your 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 body, your immune system knows how to destroy it in the future. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That is I feel like uh, yeah, it's 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 creepy to hear that it's like <laughs> modifying your DNA and like all these kind of like uh, hype, scary things that you get in the news. But your body's like, what the fuck is this, and destroys it immediately. Yeah. It's not like it's changing you at some yeah. DNA level. No, like, no, it recognizes it pretty quick. It's not really. I mean, yeah, it does. the The RNA does insert itself. I mean, it does, but it's not going to do anything crazy. It's not like change. It's not gonna like turn you into a blob or something. <laughs> <laughs> like a strange matter, just slowly changing you. But this is a valuable moment because there's a lot of people terrified of this, this new technology, how they're promoting it. Well, it is a new technology, but a lot of people just, and me included, don't really understand how it works. So I can see why a lot of people get turned off right away, and their conspiracy minds can go a little bit to the deep end, like. But we're just saying that your brain would become like a zombie man or something from yeah. the, from mutation, but that's definitely not the case. No, no, I mean it's um like the efficacy rates of the COVID vaccine are incredibly high. You know, I don't I don't have any reason to believe that it would be like, <laughs> bad to get. It's just I see the I see the amount of like work that goes into science and clinical trials mm. and safety and efficacy. It's so much. I, I really do. I really do trust the system. I mean. Partially, I'm biased as a scientist. That's why I trust the system. Right. You're also informed, though. Yeah, and you kind of see, like, you're kind of like in the kitchen of the restaurant in a sense. Like, you're seeing the Mm -hmm. process way more than the person who's at the door going for his seat. You know, I don't know why I use the restaurant as an example, but it's kind Mm -hmm. of like you're the backbone of the of the whole thing. So you you you're very aware of the entire structure behind. You know, we're just receiving this vaccine. 
but you, you're getting the behind the scenes view. I'm, hmm. I'm curious. Yeah. One, I, I, just, just staying on the same vein. I'm curious, like, obviously this was like a, a rushed experience, you know, like the, like we needed these vaccines. Like what, is, what is, what did that rush look like? I don't know if you read some papers or if you just understand them, like the, you know, behind the kitchen, like we were saying, like, did things go faster because there was more money? Was there already stuff being worked on and then they just implemented certain technologies? Like, like, is there any kind of rush job, like, uh, harmful, uh, like, is, is there anything bad about it being faster? Did they just let things go to human trials faster? Like, what what was the the the, the scenario there? So a, a good example is, let's pull ourselves back to the 1960s. Uh, there was a drug, there was a drug called thalidomide. Have you guys heard of this drug? No. No. Nope. So there was a drug called thalidomide that was released in Europe that was a drug for morning sickness. Um, and there wasn't a lot of research on, you know, there wasn't a ton of research on it. And without like a lot of clinical, the, the clinical trials for thalidomide experiments didn't last that long. They were like six months or a year. And because of that, the American FDA was like, no, we don't want this drug in America. And unfortunately, um, they're called thalidomide babies. A lot of mothers who were taking thalidomide for morning sickness were giving birth that's to where babies, I've heard like of it. Mi yeah. missing limbs. You've yeah, probably heard yeah. of this before. But so that's one of the so we are really cautious about clinical trials because of that because of that experience. And I think like I don't know like why people are so I don't know what it is that people are so skeptical, like exact part of the uh, vaccine they're so skeptical about, like what angle they're coming from. And I, I can't say that I know the exact, like the COVID vaccine was definitely like when, when there's an urgent need for a medication or a vaccine, uh, they go through what's called the fast track process. Um, you can apply for a license from the American FDA or the FDA, uh, and you can get a drug fast tracked um, for therapeutic use, use of people because it's seen as like, we need this or people, like lots of people are going to die. Mm. So the COVID vaccine did go through this fast tracking process. Um, normally a medication, the average medication goes through about five years of trials before it's like made uh, deemed safe to use mm. the COVID vaccine. It, it did only, you know, we only, we were only experimenting on it for like what, six months to a year. So it was a little bit risky in a way. So what they did to what was done in order to combat like this has only been tested for like six months to a year is they ran like more and more clinical the clinical trials. They just ran bigger and bigger clinical trials to sort of account for that to see a global effect. So, yeah, I mean, to be honest, like it was a it was a fast track thing, but they didn't take any short. I mean, time was the only shortcut, I guess, in, in any all the other efficacy studies were were gone through and seen as safe, but it did go through this this much quicker process Ooh, because that, like reassuring. like yeah. I said you know like I said uh, you know we just need it you know it's like this is a this is a race that's a really good context like instead of instead of it feeling like we rushed this it's like we really just take our time usually with other stuff we just go through some extra uh, safety nets for other stuff because why not you know it's just all the better to to make sure it's effective to, you know, it's an investment uh, issue as well. Like you're just taking more time with it and making sure that it's going to do what it's going to do. And, and, you know, no one pops out missing limbs or, or whatever, but, uh, this just skipped a few of those steps, but like medically and scientifically speaking, all the, all the eyes were dotted and all the T's were crossed. Like there's no way to really skip that 
no one would want to anyway, really, because you're you're going to destroy like lives. Not only the people taking the vaccines, but then the companies and the, mm-hmm. and the investors and everything is just like no one wants to see that happen. No one wants to see that fail. So it's like I think right. people are just scared. like you asked, like, I don't know why people are skeptical. I, I We know why <laughs> it's people are just conspiracy, conspiratorially minded because a bunch of people are going to get rich off of something and people get pissed off because everyone's in a tough way. A bunch of people are losing jobs. It's just a it's very emotional. Mm. It's not necessarily wrong or bad, but it can very much be, you know, um, a misinformed, just kind of knee jerk reaction. And people are just scared. That's a good point. Right. That's a very good point. And I would add to that that it's also, to be honest, it's lack of education. It's just a lot of people, me included, just don't have a fucking clue. And it's so much yeah, faster. Trust, yeah. yeah. And then, but people you're getting like information <laughs> off, yeah. But then you're getting information off of a YouTube video that's designed to convince you in a certain way. And it has like these foundational basis that they're just throwing these terms at. And you don't really know these terms, these sign terms of what's actually happening. And then you take it for granted, you believe it, but it's it could be completely off at the foundation, you know. So it's I see I see how it can form, and kind of the whole COVID situation is a great example if you're talking about the money behind it, because a lot of people lost their jobs and they got angry, and then then they see that there's like these profit machines that are just pushing their product, and I can see how it fuels all these emotions. guess one of the things going back to talking about fast tracking medications is like before before most drugs are released they're actually tested on pregnant people to make sure there's no side effects and um you know covid vaccine was approved before people that were pregnant were tested but um i guess going back to that only recently like as of five days ago there was the first ever they confirmed that um if you are pregnant and you get the COVID vaccine, your baby also will have the antibodies for COVID. Your baby will also get vaccinated. I actually read an article about it. They were saying yeah, that they, they want to... It was a paper. Yeah, they want to give... Like, like there's there's like priorities of who gets the vaccine first and and pregnant people were on that list. So it's it's kind of... Again, it's kind of eerie that like that those those proper tests have not been done, but like now it's being shown that you're getting you're vaccinating two people for the price of one sort of <laughs> yeah exactly it's um That's yeah funny. i mean you know like i said there is sort of that fear there that it was fast tracked because it was like it seemed necessary like it seemed like a lot of people were you know dying and businesses are getting shut down the world is not functioning as it normally should so we need to like get this going so yeah i mean you know i do from that perspective i do understand a little bit of concern from the whole fast track perspective mm. That makes sense. Yeah, I, like you. So yeah. you don't have that. Uh, let's call it a you know irrational or or like uninformed fear because you've done like a decade plus at this point of education, and you can you can read a paper or something or, or even just have an idea. It's not even really in your field per se, but you're you just have all this background in similar basic foundational sciences. So you can you, you, it's it's a you might still have some faith because it's not your 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 narrow specific field, but your it's informed faith. You know, like we're yeah. really jumping blind. Like the layman is just like, all right, I'll put this thing in my body that changes my DNA or whatever. You know, and, yeah. and like Nate said, you watch the fucking YouTube video and 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 there's some compelling swelling music and some guy <laughs> telling you that it's the government wants to no 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 and and you you just and you're all in. It just feeds into your, <laughs> yeah. 
people are afraid on yeah. both sides i don't know it's a weird uh we could talk about it forever you know like uh, it's, no, yeah. it's it's a it's a it's a but rabbit it's not, hole it's not that productive yeah, yeah. Not, no it isn't you're right man it really isn't it's not super productive but i mean it's you know things are getting better i'm hopeful about everything you know things are yeah. getting good there's a light there's a i mean things are getting interesting i think there's a like it's funny that there's a lot of I mean, again, again, this is totally off topic, but like, I'm, you're seeing like riots. You're seeing protests. I, I should say protests more than riots. You're seeing laws about protests coming out about how cops can be treated by by people. Like, it's getting really squirrely. It's not even about COVID anymore. You know, there's this no. huge uproar in, uh, I think, in Israel right now about like uh, vaccination passports and things like that. Like, it's yeah, yeah. So this this gets very much about like social experience and mm. and and how you're treating people who who are afraid who don't want to get the vaccine you know so it's it's like it very indirectly we're we're suddenly realizing there's a problem with ignorance you know we're suddenly like oh shit like we really need everyone to be smarter so that this is not <laughs> like this is like a this is like we're hitting the brakes you know covid hit the brakes but now we're also like oh no i don't want to do this i don't want to be in this thing and there's all these debates in the street where where nothing really gets solved like you said it's not it's not even productive what we should stop talking about <laughs> we should actually just get back on track i would love to keep like we have you we don't have you for much longer what the fuck is n bomb what, <laughs> what 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 does it do what why, what you, is your paper about you mentioned n bomb in the last podcast and i'm still i i don't really remember exactly what it is so yeah, I'm with Sammy on that too. Yeah, let's just hard left. Like, let's yeah. just get the fuck out of this COVID conversation. Uh, it was a, uh, I guess I can name, I can drop the person's name because they probably want to get mad at me for it. But mm. so there's a there's a chemist named David Nichols who's really popular in the psychedelic space. Okay. And um, let's hope he doesn't hear the podcast. But that's fine. I don't think he will. But anyways, <laughs> he hit a grad hit a graduate student that was let's say psychedelic curious student, graduate mm. student. You know, messed around a little bit. And he told me this story when I met him about, you know, he was working on these N-bomb compounds and he, he's been working on psychedelics for a long time. And the grad student makes a few of these novel N-bomb compounds. The first time ever in like the 90s, he makes these compounds. And, um, you know, the David, his David being the PI, the boss, goes to the grad student, can you make, I have this, I have this protocol, can you make these compounds? He goes, sure. So he makes them and the student being psychedelic curious takes some home and takes some of the drug home with him. And um, he ends up like ingesting some of the compound, and uh, he calls he calls his boss David Nichols like David, I took some end bomb compound, I don't feel so good. And you know he shows David shows up to the kid's house, and the kid's like on the floor in the fetal position, like oh just he's like his his like he has a blank stare, and he's like oh I see the light, it's so beautiful, David, it's so beautiful. And David's like you fucking idiot, like why are you you know. Like, this is not professional. You're a graduate student. You're fucking around with, like, my drugs. Not okay. So, um, the kid eventually, like, comes down from his trip, um, but not really. So, the kid ends up getting arrested, like, later that night. Mm. And the kid calls David from jail. And he's like, David, uh, something happened. I don't know what happened, but I woke up in jail. And he picks the kid up from the police station. And the police tell David that the kid was, like, running through the parking garage just naked. <sighs> You know, fi finding the light, you know, chasing the light, so to speak. And um, that's where the compound came from. It came from this guy's lab who was a, who was a uh, psychedelic chemist, one of the early psychedelic chemists. And it's basically just a 
compound that binds to serotonin receptor stronger than LSD, and it also activates the receptor to a stronger degree. So if I gave you a dose of N-bomb and I gave you a dose of LSD, you would be more intoxicated and tripping harder off of the N-bomb, which is the same dose. Hmm. So basically it just activates re- the receptor stronger. And um, yeah, the whole, the whole paper, like I said, it was just about looking at, can we change uh, these methoxy groups on the N-bomb molecule? And if we change those, how does that affect the potency of the drug? That's really all it's about. I would add, ask you, um, so with this paper out, in the future, if someone, some company wanted to use N-bomb as a type of medication or to see in a clinical trial, they would resort back to your findings for the purity and then go from there? So that's how it would kind of extend outwards? Yeah, the, the next thing somebody would have to do with our paper is they would run it in animals. They would use our, we have, you know, we have these potencies in the paper and stuff. They would use the potency of the drug to administer it to an animal at a reasonable dose. So basically, research goes from like my field is about as fundamental as it gets. It goes from like the cellular, molecular stuff. Then it gets passed to the animal research people, and then after animal research people have like deemed that it's pretty safe, they then go to phase one human mm. clinical trials. It's like a pipeline, right? It's yeah. Like mm. a, a progression. So you guys are like ground zero of the whole process of getting a drug yeah. to market yeah we're, we're very early stage from yeah. honestly from the time that we see a structure of a drug to the so in the past in let's say 20 years ago from the time somebody like me saw the drug and quantified it to the time it was made into a medication that whole process is about 20 years wow. it takes like 20 years now it's about five because of advancements now it's like about five years wow. maybe even a little bit less maybe three Thank point. fucking God. That's twenty a lot years of research. Of, yeah. yeah. That's a career. Yeah. That's a generation. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. It's um it's like, yeah, it's definitely like it seems slow for sure. But as we It seems thorough, to be honest. It's very thorough. As we get more advanced, that time gets faster, you know, and we're getting like, you know But just talking about the fast tracking from the COVID talk, um, it just seems like that's going to revolutionize medicine in the future, at least that process that, hey, we can actually come up with something in a year. That was insane. I mean, like, yeah. that's literally like, you know, the first, because the first COVID, the crystal structure, right? The crystal structure of the COVID, uh, the COVID receptor antibody was crystallized like only six, I think six or seven months before the vaccine was released, which is insane. Wow. That's like from when I see the drug to it getting approved is like eight months. I mean, that's like, but you also have to realize so many people are working on that problem. That's pretty much the whole world in a sense. Pretty, yeah, literally the whole yeah. world. Yeah, we threw the that's why it happened so yeah. fast. Wow. Do but, you, um, do you think there's any, I mean, I guess you're, you're, again, we're asking you to jump out of your, 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 your specialty, but like, um, do you, seeing, the effects of N-bomb, do you, can you speculate on some possible uh, uses or something? Like what, what could this be used for medicinally mm-hmm. or, or, yeah. or, or as well, what are some of the psychedelic effects actually that, that were experienced by this student? I'm curious. Yeah. So one of the, one of the big differences between uh, our N-bomb compounds and the ones that were used by the student is um, there are certain molecules you can put on, they're called halogens. There are molecules like fluorine, chlorine, bromine, and iodine. 
and the reason they're put on molecules is because it makes it easier for those compounds to get it get across the blood-brain barrier. So, but the problem is those compounds often cause seizures, unfortunately. Hmm. So, in our in our NBOM compounds, we took off the halogen. So we actually think there might not be as crazy effects as the drugs, but we won't know until we put them in animals. Mm. And I don't know when. I feel like I feel like like the lab I work in could do it because we do animal work too. Um. So I wonder like, and I actually we have the compounds like in our freezer. They're there. I wonder like if our my bo- my boss would probably like let somebody do it if they wanted to. <laughs> wow. You know, see what happens. Because we are we are starting to do. We just got a um, like a grant from this company called Silotech, so okay. we're like just start. My lab is just starting to do psychedelic like research. You know, the guy I work for is just getting into that space now. Very cool. So, um, like we could run it in animals, and I don't know. I mean, like in terms of in terms of therapy, I you know until I saw an animal study, I wouldn't know. It's um you can't tell much you can't tell much of the therapeutic potential of a drug by looking at it inside of cells. You can only figure out the potency, like how potent it is. Okay. So I guess your part of the pipeline is really just isolating these molecules or these 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 potential drugs, and then I guess the funding of a certain problem will look for something that's similar that could help, and then it goes down the pipeline to animal testing, etc. So, but you guys aren't really concerned about what this will be used for. It's just more about creating the purity and the isolated uh, part uh, structure. Exactly. Interesting. I'm, I'm very, I'm very far from like uh, getting drugs approved for. It's kind of cool though. Even animal, it's very, yeah. very foundational. It's yeah. uh, it's called basic science, is what we call it. Mm. We actually call it basic science. Mm-hmm. Basic science, and there's, then there's clinical science, and there's translational science. Okay. Right? There's all these different approaches. Okay, I see why it's called basic science. Okay. Because yeah. you're just doing science, like you're not. There's no application research. There's no. There's no trials. It's it's literally the opposite exactly. of clinical. Yeah, mm. I understand. That's basic cool. science. You can you can do very like foundational things. You can and the people even more the people even further uh, back from the pipeline, like more fundamental, the people making the drugs. That's really mm. where it starts. I'm not an organic. I mean, I used to do organic chemistry. I don't do organic chemistry anymore. But those, that's really to start. Somebody like somebody building a drug right and um yeah and using using computers now is what i'm getting into is drug design like how do you design a drug it's kind of where i'm getting into a bit too much yeah we could bleed into this uh this other topic yeah Yeah. well yeah i was going to ask you how does this tie into this uh, vr thing that you're getting into i am so pumped about this (laughs) i see this random dude from this company called nanome just hit me up on LinkedIn. He's like, I saw some of your YouTube stuff. I like your graphical abstracts. I think I have something interesting for you. So he tells me he works for a virtual reality bioscience company. I'm like, what the hell is virtual reality bioscience? And he just goes, watch this video. like the same one I sent you. Mm. And I was just like, holy crap. That mm. is amazing. So basically what it is, it's like, you know, we're looking at these receptors now in my background, but these are two-dimensional. We're just in a two-dimensional, you know, yeah. screens are two-dimensional space. But if you put on a pair of virtual reality glasses, you can see things in three dimensions. So what this company thought would be a good idea is to take these two-dimensional biomolecules and figure out a way to display them in three-dimensional space. So you put on a pair of VR goggles, you can see these receptors in three dimensions, and you can also do what's called... Um, 
ligand-based drug design in, in three-dimensional space. A lot of the times when you want to uh, figure out how to create a drug to attach to a specific target, you have to figure out what's the three-dimensional shape of that target. Kind of like if you have a square versus a triangle versus a hexagon, mm. what does my three-dimensional space look like? And then you build a drug that will occupy a sort of similar three-dimensional shape as that, and that's called drug design. Whoa. So you can you try and figure out how to create a, a drug that will three-dimensionally fit inside of the EEG receptor. And that's kind of the – I don't know how much – so I do a lot of the stuff on computers now with, like, programming, that kind of thing. Um, I do a lot of drug design type – so, like, these pictures were actually created with a lot of drug design software um, that I generated. But to be able to do that in a three-dimensional space is, from my perspective, just absolutely incredible. Because it is hard to like work on a two-dimensional screen and try and figure out, ah, oh, what does that thing look like? How do I build a drug to fit in there? But you have a three-dimensional space, it really changes the game. And it's even being used in um, teaching chemistry in like, universities now is using virtual reality to see molecules in three dimensions. What does a molecule look like? Versus like this abstract idea of something. That's incredible. What what kind of applications are there? I mean, like like you you went through it already. I guess it's just hard to appreciate because we're we're not in the the sector, right? But like, it, I guess I can understand like you're you know you're manipulating a three D object on a screen and you have to kind of turn it and see what's going on and and you're you're not getting the whole picture. Whereas now it's just. I, I saw the video and it's just it must be so much more intuitive you can change things on the fly and like with your hands you can share these things as well because it's like an online space and I, I just I, I, feel free to get a little nerdy here even if you lose yeah. us like I'd love to know what how could we use how can you use this and obviously the teaching aspect is, is obvious that's but, the biggest application hmm. I think honestly is, is education for sure yeah because to be honest like the market for researchers like myself is like I mean, how many are how many of like me are in the world that really care about this like 3D space and want to use it for just molecular modeling? Like, not in reality, like the people that you're going to teach in a university is way more than the people like me that are using it for these applications. So I'd say my um, my like small area is definitely a really cool application of it. But I think I think teaching is where it has the biggest impact for sure. Because think about like I don't know, like if you if you're learning history. And um, you want to see how some war was played out. You can read about it in like a boring textbook, or you imagine you can like recreate what that war looked like in three dimensions. And you're space. you're you're like kind you're of physically there in a sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see the the educational application is massive. I already could just picture my early science classes of just learning about uh, electrons and protons and whatever, and just seeing it on paper and how disconnected I felt to this concept. But imagine spinning it around in my VR goggles and looking at it from every side and really seeing how it works, it's just going to exponentially grow my interest of the, of the field and the, the learning process. Yeah, That's cool, man. Yeah, I think it's like, it's, it's uh... Because yeah, you're immersed I mean, in it. You're, yeah, you're I in it. I literally got the, I literally got, they mailed me an Oculus, like I got it today, and oh, like two nice. hours ago, and I was like, oh, I got to try this out tonight <laughs> after the podcast. <laughs> yeah, That's so tomorrow. cool. I also find right. it interesting that they're, you're using this in like to actually structure the molecules and then that's the same program that people are going to be using to learn so mm -hmm. so there's this really like there's this kind of scaling like this translatability where i don't know i don't know if that's probably this something similar in school now but like 
like your uh, like the the teacher student um uh, experience is kind of more like um like switchable i don't know i'm i'm losing my words here a little bit but it's like you're going to be using this like intuitive kind of like it's almost cartoony you know like it's really easy to use and you have the, your these molecules that are in your hands now and you like you're saying about you manipulating the geometry like you can literally see the numbers and see the angles and like and like maybe just pause something and then change the the angle and then have some yeah. kind of 3D structure of a receptor and see if it's going to work or fit or something and you don't have to do all the math or or let it render or whatever the fuck the the old uh, programs are doing you know so i, mm. I, I i'm I'm not. I'm. I'm probably not as excited as you are, but it, it looked really cool. You know, like. I haven't felt this way about something in a long time. Like this excited about something. Wow. Because I, I spoke to my boss about this. Like, because I'd heard about VR. I heard about VR bioscience companies like maybe two years ago. Was the first time I heard about it. Because honestly, when did when did like Oculus probably came out like eight years ago maybe yeah it feels like yes i tried them i tried i went to a conference in like 2011 and i was mind blown at the technology at the time with with the oculus what they were able to produce but that was like n64 quality to what it is right now (laughs) you know or even before like sega sega quality so i haven't even tried one at all i've never yeah. even tried to set a vr goggles so i'm like holy shit it's gonna be but it's in its infancy and where it's gonna go from even today in five years is gonna be it's gonna be just i don't even know what it's just gonna be no different than regular reality it's gonna be like completely yeah. identical yeah, just like honestly right, right. i still i i kind of want a faculty position i like teaching at, you know teaching and research and i want to be able to do research and teach but wherever i get a job i want to figure out like how can i get these in classrooms nice you know, like, how can I get this in my chemistry, you know, classroom? For sure. Teaching, especially, or, especially organic chemistry where it's all three-dimensional and you got to think about shapes and uh, yeah. just, um, it's going to be crazy. <laughs> it's going to be A so lot cool. of people I talk to hate uh, or are scared of organic chemistry, like in school. Exactly, yeah. 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 So if it's playful like that and really like easier to, like you even said, like it took LSD for you to really be able to kind of visualize <laughs> it, like, if it if it's uh in your face that way and you're just learning like learning will become faster like as as mm. the sciences progress and we can streamline vaccines and stuff like we talked about earlier we can even make scientists faster yeah like that's fucking yeah. cool yeah it's like I, I can use like i don't know you can you, it's like you can imagine like i couldn't teach a five-year-old organic chemistry but i could you could put a vr vr goggles on a five foot like oh look at the shape of this thing mm. oh you can turn it you can move it it's so uh it's cool it's just it's so interactive it's like the more the more senses that the more of your senses you can use to associate or play with something the stronger easier just to learn that thing right well you know i i've always been well i've been saying this recently to a few friends now is that i think the future right now because up until now it was really technology and the more of the social aspect grew exponentially on the like the iPhones and all these kind of fun stuff that we can just use for information. I think the next stage of inv- uh, innovation is going to be in the healthcare. And I think it's because of the merger of technology and health and science is all going to just kind of fuse and we're kind of hitting that pinnacle now. So I think yeah. things like this is just going to ramp it up, but it's exciting times to see how technology and health are kind of going to click together. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh... mm it's wild it's like the i think I was, it's funny i was talking to my uh my aunt last week and my aunt knows that i'm like really hardcore into psychedelic research 
and she goes to me, isn't the world psychedelic enough? I'm thinking, yeah, honestly, it kind of is. You know, <laughs> the world cool without psychedelics, <laughs> it is pretty crazy, you know, the world without psychedelics, like technology advancing and like the amount of diversity you can experience in a day with like your relationships with like your people, it's like your job. Mm-hmm. It is a really like uh, psychedelic experience without psychedelics. For sure. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I, I'm I'm sure it sounds like she's looking out for you. She's like, "Why you oh, gotta yeah, do yeah. the drugs?" Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> like, a, yeah. like the mom energy. Yeah, she, but that's a good point, though. Yeah, she definitely. Uh, I, well, I don't trip that much. I think uh, the last time I tripped was like almost a year ago. No, mm. Scotia. I, I feel like I, I think I like to do it at this point. My life, maybe once or twice a year, and that's it. And I don't I don't smoke weed at all, like any yeah. at all. So I just um, that's sort of my. You know, it's like I have time off from work and I can go take ass and like kind of have fun, but also have insights. You know? yeah, fuck it. Why not? But <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? I feel like it's so uh, informative for your for your work, too. Like it's maybe not so directly, but it can be so motivating and maybe like, you know, give you some ideas because it's a trip and you're expanding your, your horizons. Mm. But also in a, in a very direct way, be like, oh, like like what is this doing to my brain what maybe i maybe maybe you'll come with ideas maybe you'll try another psychedelic and be like oh what is what what can i do with this maybe i can bring this to the job like i don't know how much control or freedom you have in your in your work but like a lot yeah (laughs) you know as you go higher into your phd like you're more in control and it's just perfect that you're you're also the lab like you your body is the lab (laughs) in some ways like it's crazy yeah it's like a it's like vertical integration in a weird way or it's like uh like you, like you're like we said before like you're really upstream you know so in a lot of ways you don't really know or or even care to understand what the what the applications will be later on but like this can be so inspiring for you and like I'm curious actually like like the 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 nano uh, VR thing like what's the first thing you're going to do like I'm sure you're just going to try to get used to the interface for a while but like do you have an idea of like what you want to build or something like are you going to make an lsd molecule or something like what's your yeah, first what I, so the reason i was the first thing they have to do is like this guy that i'm like who gave me the headset he wants me to like go on to the nano basically like promote their product a little bit if i'm of course frank. of course so i would go on to their platform i would meet him in vr space and the reason that he wants me on there is because he actually wants to talk about psychedelics on their on their platform and he wants somebody who kind of knows a little bit about this stuff, and he kind of found me, right? Good man. So the first thing I'll do is kind of go on, go into a VR space with him and talk about uh, the psychedelic or serotonin 2A receptor and talk about, like, what's known about the receptor. Why does LSD have such a high potency? How does LSD work? And we'll kind of talk about that in a three-dimensional space. Um, That's awesome. But, yeah, to be honest, like, I don't have any – I don't. I haven't used the platform, so I don't have any research ideas yet. I just want to see. I just want to see these things in three dimensions. Is this going to be on Twitch? Of course. Is this going to be like streamed on Twitch or something, or is like? It's um. Nanome has a YouTube. Uh, they have a YouTube page, and they just post the videos there. Okay. Um, I don't know if they're gonna live stream it on. They might live stream it somewhere, but yeah, I'm not sure. Because the last series they had was about COVID. Um, oh, cool. They had like ten. They had like ten episodes about the COVID spike protein. That was like where I. That's honestly where I learned about all the. Co- I didn't read papers about COVID, but I just learned it from all the nanome stuff, which nice. was super immersive. It was cool. Nice. They had scientists come on and talk about the COVID, the, the COVID spike protein, and what it looks like in three dimensions. So, I didn't yeah. think about it, but that social media is another huge aspect of like you can yeah. you can like the layman also is going to just learn so much more and and really have this 
deeper intuitive visual understanding and and instead of being yeah. like a boring lecture like i keep seeing papers where people are like you don't know what a cell looks like you don't know what an atom looks like you see these dumb drawings you know and now it's the opposite it's like this is literally what it looks like and i can spin yeah. it for you and mm. upload a receptor and stuff and share it over the internet yeah you can do crazy stuff the the place that has all these structures is called the protein data bank and apparently you can just like really easily export a file from the from the pdb to the headset like instantaneous so wow. you know it's, it's it's pretty crazy that's but um yeah. it's exciting times man yeah it's uh I'm, I'm super excited about being able to play with molecules and i feel like a kid playing with legos <laughs> Almost, almost exactly. Check yeah. this out. Well, it's like you're finally meeting these structures in 3D space when you've been researching yeah. them your whole life, like on paper and then, you know, in the lab. And now you can actually immerse yourself in their world. It's kind of mind blowing. I can imagine your excitement. I wish I shared it, but I see the other applications. Exactly. Yeah. Totally okay. You know what I mean? That's yeah. cool. That's amazing. I guess we could end it there. Yeah. I don't know. Like, is there anything else yeah, you want to touch on? No, we've been going for a while. That's yeah, it's probably pretty good. I don't. Yeah, we don't yeah. have a clock this time. Yeah. We actually have no idea. It's uh, five p.m. So we've been probably about because we started a little late, so maybe an hour and forty-five minutes. Well, oh, that's perfect. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Fuck it. Well, okay, man. Yeah, dude. I mean, it, it was fun. I, we could probably keep talking for a while, but like, I just, I oh, just. Yeah, uh, I'm glad to have you back on, man. It was fun. It was fun the yeah, first yeah. time. It was fun this time. Yeah. I just want to say congrats, also, dude. Like yeah. your PhD is Thanks. almost done. You got this cool VR thing. Your 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 new wife is gonna have a baby. Like just it's fucking. Be tripping yeah. yeah, man. Your aunt was right, dude. <laughs> <laughs> dude, she is right. Yeah. She knows, you know. Life Jeez. is life is trippy enough, man. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, life life is life is beautiful when things are going well. Life is just miraculous when things are going well. When it's not going well, like kinda sucks, you know. But it's yeah. also beautiful in hindsight when you get through it. You know? It is. Those shitty times, yeah. totally. They because yeah. they're catalyst catalysts to big changes, you know? They really can uh I'm sure they got you here in yeah. a in a weird way. Yeah, we can have that weird philosophical like yeah. You you are you are what those crappy moments. But I but man, yeah, the appreciation of it, you know, you just get to kind of bask in it, especially during COVID. You know, it must be yeah. just like you said, like the depression hit you and stuff like that, and now you're 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 just in a different place, like in a yeah. totally different place. Yeah, uh, totally. Kudos, man. Honestly, that's fucking fun. Yeah, brother. Like, yeah, it's it's been really good. It's been really good. This is, has been, of course, very fun. Is there um any anything you want our listeners to 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 try to follow along with you or anything they can check you. I know you have a YouTube channel. You can plug that yeah, in. I have, a, I have a YouTube channel. That's just my name, Asher Brand. Nice. And um, that's my main, that's my main stuff where I post like content that I think is interesting about psychedelics and about research. Cool. And um, I'm still like, you know, I don't know how you guys are with the YouTube thing. I still don't understand social media, how to use it that way. I still don't know how to like, I feel like an optimize. old person. Yeah. Just like, putting crap out there i think it's just i think it's consistency and then eventually it catches on that's that's the method i'm going on and that's what works for so many people so just you know keep be passionate about what you're doing and look your stuff is super interesting i will have no doubt in the future it's just gonna you know yeah, yeah. I want to make all the past videos with VR now. You know, talk about everything in VR. Mm-hmm. All the new videos in virtual reality. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm joining in on that. Yeah, I got to get myself cool. a VR VR set. 
Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't even know what they go for, to be honest. I don't know what the Oculus things even sell. It's getting relatively it's, cheaper. It used to be like yeah, over 1300 bucks. I think now it's they're like... They're still pretty expensive, yeah. though. I think, I think they're at least like 500 600 bucks. I'm imagining. Hmm. I don't know. I think cost has to come down for them to be like people would have them in classrooms, right? The cost is still too much, I think. Yeah. And you need a computer to run it. and then... Exactly. You need a high-powered computer. That's the problem, too. Yeah. Hey, we're getting there but that's it you know? whether it's now or in 10 years it's happening it's just a matter of how long you know exactly all right brother well thanks for joining us again man of course of that course that was awesome yeah, yeah always good talk again in a few months or something anytime you know? man yeah <laughs> great great all right brother okay. all right bye guys See you, take man. care man have a good one